uh, we're going to take a break from the book of Hebrews today, and we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Why are we going to do this? Last week we have um, our guest speaker who uh, taught about all of that, so I thought this week can be a good time for us to kind of recap what, um, what the Bible say about the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. Now let me start by telling... Okay. Amen. Today I want to focus more on speaking in tongues and how is that related to the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's extremely important. But let me just start by giving you a disclaimer. Something extremely important that you need to be aware of. And before I even say that, this is not per se a sermon. It's a sermon, but I want you to stop me and ask me questions. Don't just listen or disagree with me if you feel like something doesn't make sense just stop me and ask me questions i want us to understand this uh, very very deeply amen now before i start today we're going to teach theology right we're going to teach doctrine we're going to teach what the bible say about speaking in tongues so this is a theology that might have an impact on your life now generally speaking you need to listen to me very carefully about this when somebody is teaching you theology, including myself, including myself, your church, anybody who's teaching you theology, you need to make sure that you always examine that in the light of God's word. Amen? And let me explain to you what I mean by that. There is a difference between these two words. There is a difference between indoctrination and examination. Can we say these two words together? Indoctrinations and examination. What is indoctrination? Indoctrination is when somebody keeps teaching you the same thing over and over and over again, so you believe it, and you believe that this is truth, in spite of the fact that it might not be. You guys are with me? Now, examination is when somebody's teaching you something, you go take that one thing and you examine it. And when I say you examine it, that means you look to the argument and the counter-argument. And then you, both, you look at both strength and weakness of both arguments, and you sincerely ask God to guide you the truth, and you will reach the right conclusion because God will never mislead you. Amen? Amen. Sadly, most people in the world are not... They're all fall in the first category. They are indoctrinated, but they're not really examining what they believe in. You guys are with me? <laughs> Including those who believe in the truth, like you and me. For the most part, we are indoctrinated. You believe in the Trinity. You believe the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But then a Jehovah Witness come ask you a bunch of questions, and you start mumbling and trouble, and you cannot even answer the questions because for the most part, it is truth. This is, a, I can tell you that much. But we have been indoctrinated, but you have not examined what you have been taught. You guys are with me? Yeah. All right. How do you examine? You don't examine by, like, let's, let me uh, tell you. Like, I have this teaching about the speaking in tongues. You don't examine this teaching by go back into the Bible and look up these verses and make sure that it's there. You're not examining what I'm teaching you. You guys are with me? You examine it by listening to somebody who believes something else, and then you listen to their argument for it and why they believe it and why they don't believe it, and you examine that, cross-examine that against my argument or any other argument, and then you pray that God will guide you to the truth, and God will. Amen? And ask questions. Ask me questions. Reach to the other person. Ask them questions, and you figure it out by yourself because ultimately... You are the one who's going to stand before God, and you are the one who's going to give an account before God for what you believe to be truth. You guys are with me? Amen? Amen. Indoctrination versus 
examinations. Don't be indoctrinated. You need to know the word of God for yourself. You hear this from me almost on a weekly basis. You need to know the word of God for yourself, not somebody else teaching you. God, teachers are great, and it's a gift from God, from, from God to the church. I'm not diminishing that. But ultimately, you need to know God's word for yourself. You guys are with me? So examination versus indoctrination. Don't be indoctrinated. Always examine everything you hear in the light of what the scripture says. Listen to the argument, listen to the counter arguments, listen to the pros and cons for either one, for each one of them, and then you pray and ask questions, and God will absolutely guide you to the truth. Amen? There is no topic in the scripture that is more controversial than speaking in tongues. And there is people who love the Lord Jesus so deeply on both sides of the arguments. You guys are with me? So this is what you're gonna see here is pretty much what I believe, this is also, like what the Alliance believe as well, what major denominations, um, Pentecostal charismatic denomination believe as well. But uh, this is what I find out from my own studying for God's word. You guys are with me? This is not what I have been taught. This is what I have studied. I grew up in a church that was anti the Holy Spirit, anti speaking in tongues. The elders in my church growing up, they love the Lord so dearly. They have so much jealous for the lost, and that's something I envy from them. But they would teach me that tongues have ceased. You guys are with me. So this is the stuff that I found through my study in God's Word, and I want to share that with you. But again, don't be indoctrinated. Always examine God's Word. But here is what the Scripture uh, teaches us. When it comes to the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues, I want to highlight or talk about four points today, kind of outlines of how our study is going to go. Again, stop me, ask me questions. You don't have just to listen to me today. Amen? Number one, I want to talk about the relationships, the words in the scripture that describes the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the believer. Because there are different levels how the Holy Spirit relates to the believer. Number two, I want to highlight the difference between tongues as a prayer language and tongues as a gift from the Holy Spirit. We're going to look into that. And number three, I want to answer that question, why do we even need to pray in tongues? And number four, how do you receive tongues as a prayer language? And a little bit here and there of some practical tips. So let's start with number one, the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the believer. In the scripture, there are three different words that describe the relationship between the Christian, the born-again believer, and the Holy Spirit. And for the most part, these three words describe different things. They're not the exact same experience. You guys are with me? In the scripture, you see that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can we say these three words again? You're sealed, you're filled, and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Three different ways the Holy Spirit relates to you. Number one, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. That happens to you when you commit your life to Jesus. The moment you repent of your sin and ask Jesus to come and be Lord and Master and, and Savior of your life, that very moment God seals you with His Holy Spirit. He deposits the Holy Spirit inside of you as a guarantee that you eventually will inherit eternal life. Amen? We see that in Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. Look at this. Here is what Paul said. When you what? When you... 
believed. What is, what is he talking about here? Believed that means when you got saved, right? The day you got saved, the moment you got saved, you were marked in him with a, with a seal. What is that seal? The promised Holy Spirit who is deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's position to the praise of his glory. You guys are with me? The Holy Spirit comes and indwell in you as a down payment, a guarantee that you're going to have eternal inheritance. Amen? Amen? Think about that. How many believers should have the Holy Spirit inside of them? Anybody who believes, right? Everybody, if you believe, you're sealed. Amen? Number two, remember this. If there is no seal, there is no salvation. Remember that this deposit of the Holy Spirit in your, in your heart, the moment you believe, is a guarantee that you're going to have eternal life. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit the moment you believe, then you have no guarantee that you're going to have eternal life. Amen? This is the assurance that you, you are a child of God, that the Holy Spirit has come and dwelled in you. This is not just one random verse in the scripture. There are so many scriptures that teaches the same thing. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know, he's talking to Christians, saying, do you not know that your bodies are what? Temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God, you are not your own. Your body is what? A temple of the Holy Spirit. What would it take for your body to be a temple of the Holy Spirit? You have to believe you have to repent of your sins and you become a child of God second Corinthians 1 21 to 22 look at this now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ he anointed us now look at that and set his seal of ownership on us and put how where is that seal what kind of seal of ownership God did here it is Put his spirit in our heart as a deposit, guarantee. Have you ever went to buy a car, Dr. Givens, or a house, and you say, hey, I don't have the full money, but here is $500 deposit, here is $1,000 deposit. They take that money to know that you are serious about the purchase. You guys are with me? Now, when God gives you the Holy Spirit that shows everybody that he is serious about purchasing you and about bringing you to heaven. Amen? He put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit. Look at that. Guaranteeing what is to come. No seal, no guarantee. You guys are with me? Amen? So you have the Holy Spirit once you commit your life to Christ. Galatians 3, 1 to 6. Last, last paragraph here. Look at what Paul said. You foolish Galatian, who has bewitched you before your eyes, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Would like to learn just one thing from you. Talking about being sarcastic, right? And if you think sarcasm is not in the Bible, go read your Bible. Amen. Would like to learn just one thing from you, Paul said. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Now, the works of the law and faith can only be contradicting each other in the scripture only when it comes to salvation. You guys are with me? That's the whole doctrine. How can a man be saved? Is it by the works of the law or is it by faith alone? Now, Paul 
saying salvation here in a different terminology. He's saying you got saved. What does it mean to be saved? That you have received what? The Holy Spirit. How? Not by working and earning it from God, but only by believing the message of the gospel. Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of spirit, you started your Christian walk by the spirit. Are you now trying to finish it by means of flesh? Because they're trying to work now. That The context here is the Galatian wanted to finish their salvation by being good people and work their way to heaven. Start with the spirit, but finishing by works. Verse 4, have you experienced much in vain? All this that you have seen from God, was that in vain? If it really was in vain, so again I ask, does God give you, look at this, does God give you his Holy Spirit and work miraculous among you by the works of the law or by believing what you have heard? Amen. He's saying, how did God give you the Holy Spirit and how is God doing miracles among you? Is it because you earned it? No, it's because of God's grace that you have received by faith. Verse 6, so also Abraham believed God and it was credited for him for righteousness. The fact that verse 6, Paul is quoting Abraham being justified by faith before God tells us that in the whole paragraph, the whole theme of that context is that he's talking about saving faith by which you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's not talking here about the filling of the Holy Spirit. He's not talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the seal of the Holy Spirit that every believer has. Amen? Amen. Important. You guys are with me? Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right. Now, important thing. When we move to the other, type, the other terminologies, filled and baptized, especially the word filled, it might give us the impression that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we're thinking physics. We're thinking natural realm. You have a cup half full, you pour more water in it, now the cup is filled with water. You guys are with me? So the more stuff, the more water we put inside, we think of the term filling in that way. So you're thinking that I'm filled with the Holy Spirit means I'm going to have more and more and more volume of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have uh, two more tons of the Holy Spirit or two more pounds of the Holy Spirit. You guys are with me? But this is not what the Bible says. You, you're not going to get more volume of the Holy Spirit when you're filled or more you're baptized. What happens is that the Holy Spirit will manifest more. Just show up more. But you're not going to get larger quantity of the Holy Spirit when you're filled or you're baptized. You guys are with me? Yeah. All right. We'll get this out of the way. Move on. Not really? Okay. <laughs> when you don't ask questions, that means one of two things. You either understand everything <laughs> or you're not understanding anything. <laughs> All right. You guys are with me. So when we say filled or baptized, we're not talking that you're going to receive more volume of the Holy Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit in you. He's just going to manifest himself in different ways. Amen. Now, let's go to the word filled. Very crucial. And confusing, to be honest with you. Anybody who tells you he knows exactly what is filled by the Holy Spirit in the Scripture, he's not really being truthful with you. Because the Scripture is confusing a bit about it. Sometimes in the Bible, we see the word filled synonymous with the word baptized. We cannot tell the difference. I'll show you an example. In Acts 1.5, now Jesus is about to ascend. And he's telling his disciples before he ascended, this, for John baptized with water, but in few days you will be what? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. What events is Jesus talking about here? Acts chapter 
2, when the Holy Spirit descended in the day of Pentecost. Now, in Acts 2, 4, here is what the scripture says, all of them were, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues and the, as the Spirit enabled them. Do you guys see that here in this context, in this incidence, the word baptized is synonymous with the word filled. Amen? So you can be filled or baptized. Sometimes the word filled, just the exact same thing as being baptized in the Holy Spirit. However, some other times the word filled in the scripture, filled with the Holy Spirit, does not equate being baptized with the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, most of the time, the word filled is used in the scripture, tells us about an empowerment, like God just anoint you, empower you to, to accomplish a certain task, and that's how you are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Look at this. Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, now he's in the being questioned by in the Sanhedrin, and it says this, the scripture, then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Weren't you already filled in Acts chapter 2? You need to be filled again now to answer questions in the Sanhedrin? Yes. And he said to them, rulers and elders of the people, and he went on preaching. Acts 4.31. Now the disciples who were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, in Acts chapter 2, we read this about them. When they heard the threats from the elders of the nation. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all, what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a minute. Didn't they just got filled in Acts chapter 2? Now they're being filled again when they ask God for boldness so they can tell people about Jesus? Yes. You're with me? Yeah. You're being filled and filled and filled again every time. But again, when we say filled, you're not like you're receiving two pounds of the Holy Spirit, then you dispose it in the event, and then you need another two pounds of the Holy Spirit. It's, we're not talking this way. We're talking that the Holy Spirit will empower you to accomplish a certain task, that the Holy Spirit will manifest in a certain way, embolden you to accomplish certain tasks. Amen? Ephesians 5.18, do not be drunk with wine who leads to debauchery, instead be what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. I think the Greek for the word be filled is present continuous tense. That means continue to be always filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled again and again and again with the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul was telling the Ephesians. Amen? So, example. I'm preaching today. Before I come preach, I come and say, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit so that your word come forth with anointing and people will understand what I'm saying. Amen? Yes. Tomorrow I'm going out to witness. I say, God, fill me with your Holy Spirit so when I go out to witness, people will obey the message of the gospel. You guys are with me? And every time you try to uh, like impart on a spiritual adventure, you ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Again, it's not like the Holy Spirit, you pour water in and you pour water out. It's not like that. It's more like, Holy Spirit, empower me so I can accomplish this job, that this task that is ahead of me. Questions so far? Moving on? I All right. Yes. Right. It's an analogy, but you, do, you get the point that you're not getting more volume of the Holy Spirit. It's just the Holy Spirit manifests itself. It's an analogy. If, you, if that helps you understand, that's fine. 
But the idea is still the same, that you're not depleting the Holy Spirit. You're not getting more and depleting the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just meant... Right, right. It doesn't run out. You have... It's, it's, the Holy Spirit is a spirit. You know what that means? He's not like... He cannot be measured in portions. You guys are with me? It's just one Holy Spirit. That's it. You have Him or you don't have Him. You have all of Him or you have none of Him. You don't have portions of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. Alright. But this is again an analogy. People say a lot of stuff because it's a complex topic and people use analogies and methods try to help people understand. Obviously some of it is not going to be as accurate. But as long as you understand the main points of the scripture, we, we're here good, okay? Please. Right. That's how. It, that, uh, yeah, that's a nice way of doing it. Like you, again, the the whole I'm preaching today. So before I come preach, it's not like when I say Holy Spirit fill me so I can preach. I'm not saying that I have zero Holy Spirit in you and Holy Spirit come for the first time so I can preach. He's here. He's in me. He's in me yesterday. He's in me today. He's in me tomorrow. If I don't preach next Sunday, the same Holy Spirit is still in me. But you're right. It's an anointing. It's an additional anointing to accomplish the task that is ahead of you. That's the more likely the filling of the Holy Spirit. Questions? Move on. All right. Now let's talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now, baptized in the Holy Spirit, again, we've seen sometimes it can be synonymous to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But even the word baptized, you're being immersed. You're just like overflowing. The Holy Spirit is just taking over everything. And usually in the scripture, this, the baptism is associated with a manifestation of power or some sort of manifestation. Where do we get that from? Acts 1.8. What did Jesus say? You will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit and then you're gonna be my witnesses that word power is miracle doing power in Greek that means you gonna be anointed by the Holy Spirit to the point of performing miracles so you can be my witnesses and that is the point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit amen Acts 2 we've seen that the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit baptized in the Holy Spirit what happened to them they spoke in tongues, that's for sure. There's no question about that. But it wasn't just tongues in Acts 2. I want you to notice this. It wasn't just tongues in Acts 2. It was more than just tongues. There was the anointing of God. 3,000 people got saved that day. You guys are with me? The church launched that day. So the Holy Spirit came. Tongues was part of that manifestation of the Holy Spirit, the baptism. But there were beyond just pure tongues. You guys are with me? And this is one downfall we have in our church, and I'm a big advocate of tongues. People think that tongues in itself is that ultimate goal, and once you have it, you're good to go. You guys are with me? Tongues is a wonderful blessing from God. Every believer should have it, but it is not the destination in itself. You guys are with me? It's just a mean to the end. It's just the way that God has given us part of the weapons that God has provided for us so we can be witnesses for Jesus and we can bring people to the saving knowledge of Christ. Amen? When you say tongues, the only time that I have, when I'm praying in tongues, right. that's the only time I, my mind can think of something else right. while I'm praying in tongues. Right. And, and, and the devil can't block your prayer because he can't infiltrate when you're praying in tongues. Right. Absolutely. And then it clarifies what he called you to do. 
do. Uh, absolutely, and we're that, gonna. That's the tongues of the, the tool. It's an amazing tool, actually. And we're gonna talk about absolutely what is the benefit of tongues, but. We're going to see here that it's the scripture is every believer should speak and should pray in tongues. We'll talk about that and distinction, but yes, you're right. Let me just bring you one point here to your attention. In Acts chapter 2, the people around the disciples thought that they were drunk. You guys are with me? It's like, what's going on? You're drunk with wine. My point is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're not going to act yourself. Amen? Amen? When you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit like that, sometimes you're going to act a little bit as if you're under the influence. Because you are. Amen? It's not the influence of wine. It is the influence of God. So be very careful. Generally speaking, be very careful before you dismiss unusual behavior as if it is not of God. You guys are with me? That's exactly what the people thought in Acts chapter 2. The flip side of that is... Not every weird behavior is of God. There's a fine line that we have to walk. You guys are with me. Amen? The point is, with pure heart, seek God and surrender to Him. If, he, if there's crazy, crazy things are done to you and your body when you're experiencing the Holy Spirit, then it's of God. Don't make things up. You guys are with me? Yeah. Nobody should make things up. Don't help God out. He doesn't need your help. But if it's the Holy Spirit, whatever, you're screaming, you're whatever... Again, I don't know and I don't want to endorse any specific behavior. My point is, when you're under the Holy Spirit, you might do some stuff that come across as if you're drunk. Amen? We have example of that in the scripture. So keep that in mind. Can we all pray and say, undignify us, Lord. Amen? Amen. Sometimes we just come to church dressed up and we just like everything by the second and like God cannot show up. God cannot mess my hair because I spend so much time doing all this jail and it just doesn't work this way. Let God be God. But don't fake things. You guys are with me. Amen. Don't make things up to help God. Nobody need to do that. But in the same time, be willing and available to God. Whatever he does, he does. Amen. Yeah. All right. So keep that in mind as we move forward. Now. Yes. Right. Right. I will talk about that. Okay. Yeah, it's the very end. Um, so these are the three words in the scripture that describe the relationship between the believer and the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You're filled with the Holy Spirit. You're baptized with the Holy Spirit. Any questions or move forward? Okay, let's move forward. Now, tongues. This is, again, one of the very controversial issues in the scripture. And there's people who love Jesus in both sides of the aisles. But, again, that goes, you, goes to show you the importance of examining the scripture. Because ultimate loyalty should not be to a person. And in spite of how sincere or how much they love the Lord, should be ultimately to God's word. Amen? All right. Um, in the scripture, we see that tongues can be one of two things. Can either be a prayer language or can be a gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen? What makes this teaching complicated is that there is no scripture in the Bible that says there's two kinds of tongues. You cannot read that in the Bible. There are two kinds of tongues. Tongues as a prayer language and tongues as a gift of the Holy Spirit. There's no Bible. There's no verse like that. Amen? There's no verse either that says you should believe in the Trinity. There's, it's not in the Bible either. Amen? So the fact that it is not clearly in the scripture makes us, we need to examine this and we need to understand it very carefully and we'll be very, very careful about how we approach God's word. 
I made this table for you guys so you can see the distinction side to side between how the scripture describes tongues as a prayer language versus tongues as a gift. And I have been meaning to sit down and do this table for the longest time, so I'm thankful that I got to do it this week. Again, no scripture says two different kinds of tongues, but if you don't believe that there is two different kinds of tongues, prayer language and gift of the Holy Spirit, the scripture will be to you as confusing as it ever can be. You will never be able to put the scripture together unless you believe that there's two separate kinds of tongues. Amen? So let's look at that. Tongues as a prayer language. Uh, I have one, two, three major distinction between the prayer language and the gift. The prayer language, when you, it, the difference, first difference is whom you're speaking to. As a prayer language, you're speaking to God. As a gift, you're speaking to people. You're not speaking to God, you're speaking to people. Where do we get that from the scripture? Look at this, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to God. Okay, question. Speak to God. Can you summarize these three words in one word for me? Speak to God. What do you call that? Prayer. Thank you very much. Yes. Speak to God means you what? You pray, right? That's what Paul is saying here. Anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to the people, think about that, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them, no one of the people understands them or the words. They utter mysteries. How? By the Spirit. So when you say all these words, you're spe speaking the mysteries of God by the Holy Spirit. But you're speaking to who? To God. 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15. For I pray in tongues. Again, a prayer here. I pray in tongues. When I pray in tongues, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with both my spirit, but I will also pray with my understanding. I will sing with my spirit, and I will also sing with my understanding so nobody will understand when you pray in tongues and that's part of the wonder of it not the not the negative side of it amen um it, you're only speaking to god and you're praying to god now when you have the gift of the holy spirit now the purpose of that gift Paul tells us over and over again that any gift, the purpose of it is to edify the church, to build the church, because you're speaking to that people and you're building them up in their walk with God. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 to 28. If anyone speaks in tongues, two or at the most three should speak one at the time and someone must do the interpretation, right? If there is no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. So when, when you do the gift, when you're going to speak out loud a message in tongue, the Holy Spirit will provide interpretation so that the people will understand what God is saying. Tongues plus interpretation equal prophecy. You stand up and prophesy or you say uh, tongues and then somebody gives the interpretation. That's the same thing. If you don't feel like the Holy Spirit is telling you that nobody's going to give the interpretation, then just pray. That's what Paul is saying. You pray to God in tongues. Don't say the message out loud. Amen? You know, you're very one about this because I could pray in tongues. Right. And I knew you were going to speak about this today. Okay. <laughs> I Amen. I was praying in tongues. Right. Okay. And, 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 you know, 
in the Bible says the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Right, right. But when you pray in tongues, right. if it's interpreted wrong, you would know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You would know, oh, that's not right. No, that's, that's true. And, you know, it, it, it's so, it, it's, it's, it's a very powerful tool to direct us. Amen. Absolutely. There's no question about that. Yeah, I knew you were going to speak on this. Okay, I love it, man. <laughs> Call me next week. <laughs> I'm kidding, before the church. Amen. So the first distinction is when you pray in tongues, you speak to God. When you, you, when you have the gift of tongues, you edify the church, you speak to the people. Number two, when you pray in tongues, you edify yourself. But when you give tongues as a gift with interpretation, it's to edify the church. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 14, 4. Anyone who speaks in a tongue, it defies who? Themselves. Not the church, their own selves. They build themselves up and they walk with God. But the gift, generally speaking, every gift in the scripture, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, is for the church. Same thing here. It defies the church when it comes to the, to the gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, 5. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be edified. So prophecy in itself is greater than tongues in itself unless there's tongues and interpretation. And this way the whole church is being edified. You guys are with me? Right. 1 Corinthians 14, 19. But in that in where? In that church. Not in my prayer room, not in my closet. In that church, I would rather speak uh, five intelligible words to uh, instruct others than 10,000 words in tongues. You yeah. guys are with me? So tongues as a gift edifies the church. But number three, and that's the controversial one. Tongues as a prayer language is for every believer, but tongues as a gift of the Holy Spirit is not for every believer. Exactly. All right, let me start with the gift first here and then go back to the prayer language. And people who believe that prayer language is not for everyone use that verse right here as a proof text that you should not even be seeking tongues at all. Look at this. 1 Corinthians 12, 28 to 31. And God has appointed these in the church for his apostles. So he's talking about God appointing gifts to the church, right? Apostles, teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. So he's talking about God giving specific gifts to specific people in the church to build the church up. Among these gifts that God gives to specific people is varieties of tongues. That's why Paul rhetorically asking, are all apostles? The answer is obviously not, because that's a specific gift from God to specific people. Are all prophets? Obviously not. Are all teachers? Obviously not. Are all workers of miracles? Obviously not. Do all have gifts of healing? Healing. Obviously not. Do all speak in tongues? Obviously not. You guys are with me? But does not mean that no believer have access, that not every believer have access to tongues as a prayer language. It means that not every believer have tongues as a gift from God to edify the church. You guys are with me? Good so far? Now, tongues as a prayer language, is it for every believer? When I went um, for my examination, my license ordination or examination, they asked me that question. Do you believe that tongues is for every believer? I was like, yes, tongues is for every believer. It's like, where do you get that from? And I brought them two scriptures to show them that tongues as a prayer language is for every believer. The first example in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit descended on the 120 disciples, how many of the disciples spoke in tongues? So like what, that put us at 100, 119, how many? 
120, 100%, every single one spoke in tongues, right? But now let's move to number two, and that's, that's even more powerful, but you have to dig into it. In Ephesians 6, 18, do you remember what happens in Ephesians 6? Paul is listing the armor of God, the whole armor of God. The helmet of truth, the belt of salvation, the whatever, all the whole seven, six armors of God, the seven armors of God. Now, how many of you would say that the full armor of God is available to all believers? Do you think some believers might not have access to some parts in the armor of God? Doesn't work this way, right? The full armor of God is for every child of God. You guys are with me? Now, when Paul listed the the the, the parts of that armor of God, he came down to verse 18 and he said this to the people who's commanding them to put on the armor of God. And he said, praying in the spirit always as a weapon that God has given us as part of the armor of God. Yes. Now, praying in the spirit is always in the scripture synonymous to praying in tongues. Where do we get that from? Well, flip back to the page before that. And we'll read 1 Corinthians 14, 2. I should have pointed that when we were there. Here is what Paul said. For anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people, but to God, i.e. pray. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. So when you pray in tongues, you're praying by the Spirit. You guys are with me? So when Paul here, back to Ephesians 6, 18, when he listing, giving them the, the parts of the armor of God, he's listing, praying in the spirit, praying in tongues as part of that armor that God has given us. And we'll talk about that in details later. And I told the people who were interviewing me, I told them this, if you're going to argue with me here by being fair to the text, that the full armor of God is available to every believer. Therefore, you must conclude that praying in that spirit is also available to every believer. Yes. You guys are with me? You cannot just say, put on the helmet of salvation. Oh, that's for every believer. Pray in the spirit. Oh, that's for the select few. You guys are with me? You cannot take the same passage and divide it and say, this is for these people. This is for that people. This is for everyone. This is for the select few. You cannot understand God's word this way. The whole passage is for everybody or not the whole passage is for everybody. You pick whatever you, you feel is best, but you have to stick with one principle when you try to understand one passage in the scripture. You guys are with me? So praying in the spirit, praying in tongues is for every believer. Every single Christian should pray in tongues yes. in your prayer language. I pray in tongues, but I don't have the gift of tongues. You guys are with me? I'm not saying here that everyone should have the gift of tongues. I'm saying the prayer language is for every believer. Clear questions? Okay. Now... Right, it's, that's, right that's what, what I was saying is praying in the spirit in the scripture is synonymous to tongues. praying in tongues. It's the same exact terminology. We get that from 1 Corinthians 14, 2. Let's read that together. If you flip the page back to the first uh, part of that uh, table I gave you. 1 Corinthians 14, 2. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God Indeed, speaking in tongues, indeed, no one understands them. They 
utter mysteries by the Spirit. Question? <laughs> Are you saying that this verse makes prayer language and, uh, I'm sorry. You're fine. I gotta think about the question first. Uh, what I'm saying is 1 Corinthians 14.2 makes the terminology praying in tongues equal to the terminology of praying in the Spirit. Yes. So, when this, this, so they're alternative in the scripture from that verse. So let me just back up a little bit and tell you something. When Paul say pray in the Spirit, obviously Paul and the Ephesians know exactly what he's talking about. We don't, right? We don't know what Paul precisely was referring to. But the only hint that we can find in the scripture that tell us what that means is that verse in 1 Corinthians 14 too, when Paul equates speaking, praying in tongues with praying in the spirit. That's the only, think about it this way. Sadly, as sadly as this can be, we, 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 we're not living in the times when the scripture was, were written. We just have the text in our hand and we're trying to be honest to God and faithful as we can possibly be and looking back at the text and try to understand what these people were telling each other. You guys are with, you were with me? So sometimes we might get it wrong. There's no question about it because we don't know the circumstances. We don't know the, the, the condition of that time. We don't know exactly what this word particularly meant at that time. But we're trying as honestly as we possibly can be faithful to the text and look back and test and examine the text from our 21st century. It doesn't mean that we're going to get it all the time right. But it means that you know if we're faithful, the Holy Spirit will guide us to the truth as, as much as we know how. You know what I mean? And that's again like you have to examine the scripture. Don't be indoctrinated. You have to examine it for yourself. Yeah. There's mysteries in the kingdom of God. Amen. If you can explain to me how you can take a watermelon seed, just think about it. You, you look at a watermelon seed, you cut it in half, you got a little itty bitty white line through it. But you plant it in the ground on a hill. Explain to me how this long vine come out of that little right, seed right. and create a huge watermelon. I mean, that's just, those are the mysteries of God. Right, right, right. Forget about it. We're not going to learn it here. Right. It's not going to be here. It's going to be out of our heart. It's right. going to be out of the spirit. We, and, 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 and when you're praying in the spirit, that just clarifies our calling. It clarifies what God wants us to do. I can't be an engineer. I can't be a doctor. He called me to be what I'm, I'm doing, and that's what the Holy Spirit does. A lot of Christians, they try to interpret God in their mind. Right. God is not flesh. Right, right. He's a spirit, and that's our tool. And, and, and what Pastor is saying is right. If you get a hold of this, it's only going to clarify what God put you on earth to do. Mm hmm and then you got faith about what is there. Right. Then you got to be bold enough to do it. But a lot of people want God to come and do everything for them. He gave up Jesus. That's enough. Right. So, you know, what he's praying about is life changing. This is deep. And a lot of Christians don't even want to talk about this. They tippy-toe around it because they try to interpret God Oh, how does it figure this out? No, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and right. lean not upon your own understanding. Amen, amen. I mean, you got to reflect back to all the scriptures because it's a body, it's a whole piece. We can't carve it out. I mean, we try.
trying to, but when I got a hold of it, changed my life. Absolutely. It absolutely changed my life. Amen. And I because I shut this down and just obey. <laughs> I went by the rule book. I mean, you know, the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth. Right. This is the rule book of life. <laughs> Amen. I, I have to oh, you're absolutely right. You know, this is again, we're, we're just talking yes. because I want to make sure we're all on the same page. So anybody feel free to talk. We're not just, yes. this is not just me preaching and yes. listen to me and go home. No, um, you're absolutely right about that. To elaborate on what he's saying, remember what we're going through Hebrews 11. You, you know how we define faith in Hebrews 11. Faith is action based on trust in the word of God. What Michael was saying to trust and act on faith is absolutely true. The foundation of that has to be God's word as well. You guys are with me? And so you listen to God's word, you examine it, you figure it out, and then after that, you need to act on it. And that's, that's, that's amazing. Now, why do we need to pray in tongues? Why is prayer language any good? I mean, what is it when I stand up and just, or in my prayer time, just start speaking in a different language? Doesn't God understand my, doesn't God, does God even need my prayer to start with? He knows what I'm about. He knows my heart. He knows what I want to do. Why does he even want me to speak in an unknown language? You know, he doesn't even need me to speak in English to start with. Well, in the scripture, there are three different amazing benefits to praying in tongues. Now, I'm not talking about the gift of tongues. I'm talking about prayer language in your closet. Amen? Three amazing benefits in the scripture to pray in tongues. Let's go through them. The first one is when you pray in tongues, and that's really the main purpose of tongues as a prayer language. When you pray in tongues, you glorify and exalt God. That is the soul, that's the 80% I would say, maybe not 80, I don't know, 60, 70%, obviously this is a joke, but big part of why do we need to pray in tongues is to glorify and exalt God. And that's a massive misconception to Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, we think that the Holy Spirit came down in the, on the disciples and they start speaking in tongues so they can preach the gospel to people of different languages. Not at all. That's not why tongues came. That's not what the scripture tells us. In Acts 2.11, look what the scripture says. The people who are of different language, here is what they're saying. We hear them speaking in our own language the message of the gospel, right? Or telling us about Jesus. Does it say that? It doesn't. It says they're speaking in our own language the wonderful works of God. So what happened is, I'm from Egypt, I speak Arabic. If I was in the day of Pentecost and I'm in Jerusalem or speaking Greek or whatever, I'm not hearing Peter telling me, Cammy, Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you must repent so you can go to heaven. I'm not hearing that. What I'm hearing is Peter is just praying to God and say, God, you're so mighty, you're so wonderful, you're so awesome, thank you for your amazing gift. So I'm hearing Peter praising God in my own mother tongue. That's what the people in Acts chapter two heard. You guys are with me. So tongues is not given. God can use it. You might be praying in tongues and some random stranger hear you, hear the message of the gospel and get saved. But that's not the rule. That's an exception to the rule. You guys are with me? So Acts 2.11, the main message of the main point of tongues is to praise God. Number two, second scripture, Acts 10, 47. Now, the Holy Spirit descended on Cornelius, the first Gentile, and his household. What happened? Acts 10, 47, 46. For they heard, the Peter and his crowd, heard them speak with tongues, and heard them doing what? And magnify God. This is what Peter and the 
people from the church heard Cornelius and his folks saying. They heard him them speaking in tongues and glorifying and magnifying God. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, 17. When you pray in tongues, Paul said this, For you indeed give thanks well. When you pray in tongues. So when you pray in tongues, you're praising God. You're giving him thanks. You're magnifying him. You're glorifying him. That is the number one purpose of speaking in tongues. I don't know if you've ever dated somebody and you're just in the first time of dating and you're just struck by that person. You're just blown away by how wonderful they are. And you tell them, man, you're just so wonderful. I can't find the words to tell you how good you are or how wonderful you are, right? That's precisely what tongues are for. When you're just worshiping God and you're just so overwhelmed by his presence, his glory, his mercy, his grace, and his love. And say, God, I, I just can't find the words to tell you how wonderful you are. That's when tongues kick in. That's what the purpose, the major purpose of tongues. Amen? And if you do pray in tongues, you're going to find it a whole lot easier to pray in tongues when you are listening to worship music. Or there's worship in the church. You're going to find it a whole lot easier. It's just that the person is worshiping God and you're just there just having a blast with God praying in tongues. Because your spirit just just energized by the worship and the presence of God. You can't help it but to lift him up, to magnify him, to lift him up even higher and higher. Amen? And then you know what comes? What comes, man? Strong's the old voice. Amen. Those instructions. That's right. When you hear from God, he'll, he'll talk to you like a judge. Boom. <laughs> You know, and you, and you hear it. Right. Because you're real sensitive right. when you're building yourself up. Amen. And then, then you have to act. Amen. That's, you got, that's the part right there. That's, that's right, Michael. Amen. You guys, you follow me so far, right? So I was in Uganda. I'm just going to share this story with you. Uh, and then we were in that small church, and I was about to preach. And then the guy who was leading worship, uh, it's just people in Africa, man, they're just on fire for God. You just got to love it. And then... Um, this guy is just, he can tell he's just, man, he's bringing the house down. He's not faking it. He's, that's his, he's sincere in how he's ex expressing himself to God. And then, Arabic is my mother tongue, just an FYI. And then I'm hearing him while he's praying and worshiping, saying in Arabic, two, three, four words, lakal jalal, lakal ikram. That's my mother tongue. It literally, it, I cannot translate it in English because it's not, there's no exact equivalent English words for it. But it's something among the lines of, to you belong the glory, to you belong the honor. But in Arabic, it's just far much deeper than just like, it's just like amazing deep glory. And it's just, the word is unparalleled in English as far as I can try to translate it. So I'm hearing him saying it in Arabic over and over and over. Like al-jalal, like al-ikram, like al-jalal, like al-ikram. I'm like thinking to myself, when in the world this guy learned Arabic? I don't know, but like he never told me that. So we, we, we jump in the car after the service and I'm just... When did you learn Arabic? I'm asking him. It's like, when did you learn Arabic? And he's like, learn what? I was like, Arabic. He's like, I don't know Arabic. I don't know a word in Arabic. Amen? But he was is as loud as I, mother tongue. I, I, I could never mistake it. It's absolutely true. But think about the words that he's saying as well. He's glorifying God. He said, to you belong the deepest glory and the deepest honor in, in, in a sense. And he kept on repeating it because he, he's not even comprehending what he's saying. You guys are with me? But God would just, the Holy Spirit would just praising God in him. And that's one of the main functions of praying in tongues. You just glorify God. You lift him up. But in a language that your mind take a break and you just let the Holy Spirit exalt and lift up God so high. That's number one. Number two, second benefit. I know we're going to be long today, but it's just important. Let's plow through it. 
Second benefit of speaking in tongues is that when you pray in tongues, you pray exactly according to the will of God. Look at this strange, weird verse that Paul tells us in Romans 8, 26 to 27. He says this, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought to, but the Spirit himself make intercessions for us with groaning which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercessions for the saints according to what? To the will of God. Now, if you read these two verses in the context, they actually shouldn't belong there. In the whole context of Romans 8, the second part of the chapter, Paul is talking about how, Dr. Givens, we talked about this, the groaning of creation is longing for the coming of the Son of God, right? How everybody is just suffering, even the very creation is suffering, waiting for Jesus to come back. And later on, he tells us all things, all things, including the sufferings, work out for good for those who love the Lord, right? That's what he said afterward. So the whole passage talks about enduring suffering and try to persevere for the sake of Jesus. And in the midst of all of that, he he says that the Holy Spirit knows exactly how to pray in us according to the will of God. How does this verse belong here? Here's what Paul is telling us. Sometimes you can be in a hard situation, in trouble, and you think with your own mind, according to your own perspective, that the best way out of that trouble is to go right. But then when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit prays all the time in you saying, God, make him go left. Because we don't know from our perspective exactly how we should pray in a specific situation. But when you let the Holy Spirit pray in you, you pray precisely the will of God for that situation. That's, you need, that's why you need your brain to be on park, on pause. Because if you're going to pray with your own, if you're going to pray with your own intellect, you're going to pray the wrong prayer. You guys are with me? And you need the Holy Spirit to pray in you that way. So this way you pray exactly according to the will of God. But, please, please, Mike. Help yourself. Go for it. I lived in Phoenix, Arizona for 35 years. Built everything up there. And I've talked to Pastor about this. I got to pray in tongues. And God said, time for you to go. I heard it. Time for you to go. Washington, D.C. I got $2,000. <laughs> I didn't understand why, but here comes trust in the Lord. Here comes, all right, if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to, he's going to give you orders. And God is not, you know, whatever he ordains, he's going to back it up. I'm just beginning to understand why I'm here. Amen. Okay? Now I know why I'm here. I know why he wanted me here. Now, I, then I go back and forth to Arizona. I talked to about it it's not the anything out there. But he needed me here, and I'm clearer and clearer and clearer Amen. why he had me here. Amen. And that's just obedience. Amen. Did he bless me for coming here? Yes. Amen. Beyond my wildest dreams. Amen. But if I didn't have faith, and he kept, every time I pray in the Spirit, Boom, here comes the scripture. Trust in me. 
your steps are ordered by me. When I hit something, oh, you're going to get out of position, but the kingdom of God suffers the violence, and the violence takes by force. Amen. You still got to keep pushing. And it's almost like Jehovah sat standing down by the river. That's all God wanted me to be is Jehovah fact. I needed you here so you're my conduit so I can get stuff through to people. Amen. And I'm having people drawn to me beyond my wildest dreams. There's a congressional caucus that's going to be here in September. I'm going to be speaking there. Wow. <laughs> wow. God, I... How? Right. What? Mysteries. Right. But praying in the spirit, he's gonna push you, he's gonna clarify stuff. And I argue with God sometimes. Oh, I don't want to do this. But to keep pounding. I'm listening, I'm feeling that easy down. Go ahead, go through. And, and <laughs> I'm telling you, if you get a hold of this here, this prayer language, right. it'll change your life. If you bold enough to allow it, Amen. you have to allow it. That's right. God, the gentleman, he's going to knock. Doesn't keep the door. God, he's knocking. All right. He, he'll consistently knock it. He'll give you an order. Especially, especially if you pray in the spirit. Right. Amen. Because then you pray in perfection in him. Amen. And, and the devil fights that. He fights it. He, he don't want you to do it. People argue about it. But... I knew the people who got a hold of this, it's, it, it changes their life. Amen. So and when he's talking about languages, I be praying in the spirit sometimes. All kind of different languages come up. Arabic, Latin, Italian, every language. But I think that he come up here and and, and 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 certain people look and what you said about the Arabic part. The guy made no it has not it has nothing to do with it. It's the Holy Ghost. Amen. The Holy Ghost. It's, it's the Holy Ghost. And we got to yield and, and let him do it. Amen. So we get in the way of God. Amen. Amen. I know I have. Amen. That's all I have. Oh, that's awesome, Michael. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. You guys, let's move on to number three. Wayne. So how does somebody like me who is more I guess I would say intellectual. I'm more up in the brain. Right. I have what somebody once called a race car brain. It goes from this thing to that thing. And right. I'm distracted easy. So how do I get past that so the spirit can pray through my heart? Let's. Uh, well, I have practical tips at the bottom, so we'll we'll discuss that there. But I have some news for you, Wayne. You're not smarter than God. No. <laughs> I know. I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I'm just teasing. Wayne, I work with numbers. I know every stock symbol going across the ticker tape. I have a master's degree. I'm a certified financial planner. I manage millions of dollars. I'm just telling y'all this. Right. I do all of this stuff, okay? And I have to shut this down right. in order to hear. If I, if I, this right here will have you sleeping with a dog. Your brain will have you all, that's why the Bible talks about fiery dots. Sometimes they're nuclear bombs. These crazy thoughts. The battleground is here. You gotta shut this down. Right. And shut this down. That's in a way that, that was my hold up too to, to speak in tongues myself. 
my brain. I was just trying to analyze it, trying to think it. How does it work, God? Explain it to me. Uh, I need the scientific reasons. And it took me a while to figure it out. But we'll talk about that in a minute, about uh, practical tips. Yes, Jamie. Uh, yes. Right. And they can't work simultaneously. I don't quite understand on the page before First Corinthians 14 and 15. First Corinthians. I'm with you. Oh, you don't understand First Corinthians 14 and 15. If, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Uh, what shall I do? I pray with my spirit, and I will also pray in my understanding. Is that the part you don't understand? Right. I mean, I feel like when I read this, to me, it would seem obvious that he's talking about at the same time. Now, what he's simply saying, and I say that because I do pray in tongues, and anybody here can testify to that, you pretty much can alternate. It's your tongue. You can pray in English. Okay, you speak two languages, right? You speak Spanish and you speak English. Can you switch in prayer between Spanish and English? Right. You pray Spanish and English at the same time. No. Right. It doesn't work this way. You know why? Because you have one tongue. Right? <laughs> if you have two tongues, you probably could. But you have one tongue. You either Spanish or English. And that's pretty much the same principle that Paul is talking about here. You either pray in English or you pray in, in, in tongues because, because you only have one tongue. And either you controlling that tongue, your mind is controlling that tongue, or the Holy Spirit is controlling that tongue. So what Paul is simply saying here, as far as I understand it, of course, is that I pray in my own language, but I also let the Holy Spirit pray in me. So he's talking about alternating the prayer language between understandable and tongues, not saying that they both come forth at the same time. Even English and Spanish don't speak. You don't speak both in the same word in two languages at the same time. It doesn't work this way. That's how I understand it. All right, moving forward. Last important uh, benefits of the Holy Spirit of praying in tongues as well is when you pray in tongues, you pray effectively against the powers of darkness. And that's from Ephesians 6, 12 to 13. Paul is saying here, he's talking about the armor of God, and he's saying, if, if we, do not, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, therefore, because of our wrestle against the spiritual darkness, therefore, take up the whole uh, armor of God, and he keeps through that list to come to verse 18, saying, praying always in the spirit. So praying in the spirit is part of our weapon and wrestling against the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. When you go door to door, you don't know the person that you got to knock on their door. And if they're in witchcraft, if they're Muslims, if they're born again believer, you don't know what powers of darkness is controlling the household. But when you pray in tongues, the Holy Spirit inside of you is praying so effectively and so accurately against the specific powers of darkness that is holding that person captive. So if you ever think about evangelism, Praying in tongues is extremely important. When you pray for a city, for a person, pray for them in tongues as much as you can because you're praying effectively against the power of darkness that is holding that person captive, whether it's drug addiction, money addiction, lust, whatever the problem is that Satan is using as a stronghold, you're praying specifically against that 
uh, in the spirit. Now, you cannot do that with your mind because you don't know. You don't know if this person at five years old, his dad took him to a, a witch doctor and they put a curse on him that he's still living with. You don't know none of that. The Holy Spirit does. Yes. Amen? So that's why speaking in tongues, praying in tongues is extremely important when it comes to evangelism, wrestling against the power of darkness. Now, let's move on to how do you have it and uh, the prayer language and some practical tips. Now, very important thing here, you guys. And if tongues as a prayer language is for every believer, then this is not something that you said, oh, great, now I know that tongues is for every believer. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful teacher, teaching. Let's move on. It doesn't work this way. If it's for every believer, then every believer should have it. You guys are with me? If it's for you, it's from God, then you should go after it. Who was saying, Michael, you were, you were the one who was saying earlier that God is gentle. He's going to knock on your door. He's not going to kick the door in, right? And that's precisely important. God want to give it to you, but he's not going to force himself on you. You guys are with me? He's, you have to ask. You have to seek. Think about it. Even salvation. I mean, the Bible says God is not willing that any should perish. He wants everybody to be saved. Would he force salvation on people? No. People have to ask for it. People have to make the commitment to live for Jesus. So having said that, if, you, if you're still not sure, go examine this. I'm not saying, believe me, I'm telling you the truth. But I'm saying if you come to the conclusion that this is for you, then you must seek it and you must ask God for it and not stop till God gives it to you. You guys are with me? All right. Now let's go to the last. Remember the Spanish Inquisition when he made remember the Spanish just Spain the Catholic Church wanted everybody to be Catholic. You love it, you got to Right, right. Don't work that way. Right, that's you have to say God for it. God is not going to give it, force himself on you. So what I'm saying is, if you get to that point, then you need to go for it and you need to ask God for it. Practical tips and then we're done. I know we're too long here, but we just need to uh, set the record straight. Um, how do you have that prayer language? Two ways, really. In the scripture, there's two ways for it. Either God gives it to you, and we see that in Acts chapter 2, tongues of fire, everybody speaking on tongues, or laying on hands. And that's another powerful way that you receive that uh, prayer language. Acts 19.6 When Paul placed his hands, look at this. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Amen? How did they have it? By the laying of hands. So lay hands or God give it to you directly. That's the only way you've done it. If you want me to pray with you, please come talk to me. I'll pray with you. Amen? So uh, these two ways that you receive it. Now let me move to some practical tips. Let me tell you a little bit about myself because this is extremely important. I, I grew up again in a church that didn't that taught against that. So, needless to say, my understanding of tongues and the Holy Spirit was so uh, just whatever I, I understand of my own. That's all that I understand. And then I prayed for whatever the tongues as a prayer language for literally a year. And I remember I shared that with some of you guys. I was in my room praying one time. I was 21 or something like that. And I start praying in tongues and I stopped myself because I was like, this is cannot be it. I don't see any tongues of fire. I, I'm, I'm dead serious. This is what literally happened to me. Because all that I know is Acts chapter 2. There has to be tongues of fire and then you speak in tongues. No tongues of fire, it cannot be God. This is the all that I understood. But I believe that time was genuine, that this time was God. But, and then somebody prayed for me and nothing happened. After maybe 10 months of praying every day for that, nothing happened. Talking about being devastated. And then the same person prayed for me two months later or a month later. And that's when I started praying in tongues. My point is, it, 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 I cannot explain it. I'm not here to, to defend or argue for God. I'm just saying it sometimes 
it, it might take a while because again, we need to, God works with us. So sometimes we're trying to understand it. It might not be right away. It can happen right away. I hope it happens right away. But if somebody prays for you and then you don't speak in tongues, it doesn't mean that you as a child of God are an evil person or God doesn't love you because the enemy will use these experiences to make you feel that you are not worthy and that God doesn't want to give it to you. It cannot be more opposite than this according to the word of God. You guys are with me? God loves every person. It's his heart to give it to every person. The fact that you did not receive it the first time somebody laid hand on you, it happened to me. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give it to you. So rebuke these lies from the enemy that you're not worthy, that you don't deserve it, that God doesn't want to give it to you and keep on pushing through because you will receive it. Amen. Amen. Number two, just some practical tips. You don't need when you somebody's laying hand on you and you're praying, you don't need to help God. This is what I understand. Like People do it different ways. God bless them. Again, I'm not going to speak against them or for them. I'm just saying what I stand here is you don't need to help God. When somebody's laying hand on you and you're praying, you don't need to make noises. You don't need to come up with random strange words. You don't have to manufacture tongues. Don't manufacture anything when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let God do it. And if he doesn't do it, then just wait for him. I, I, sure, I'm not going to speak to him. Just generally speaking, that's where I stand. Don't manufacture anything. Don't manufacture healing either. Yeah. Don't say, hey, I'm not healed, but I'm healed by faith when you're still limping. No, you're either healed or you're not healed. You can still wait and trust God for your healing, but it doesn't mean that you have already been healed. You guys are with me? Right. Amen? So don't help God. That's what I'm trying to say. But what you need to do, though, is get out of the way. Yeah. You don't need to hinder God either. Because if you hinder God, God is not going to, going to give it to you when you're actively trying to hold him back from giving it to you. Practical. What does that mean? Because my brain is practical and I don't understand this gibberish. Here it is. When somebody's laying hand on you or you're in your room praying and worshiping, all that you have to do, I'm, and I'm saying these practical tips because that's how my mind was thinking before I, I, I start speaking in tongues. Just let your mind, your thoughts, focus on Jesus. Worship him in your mind, but don't speak. Don't talk with your own language. Don't pray in English. Don't, say, don't even say, I love you, Jesus. Because as you're saying, I love you, Jesus, you're controlling your tongue saying, I love you, Jesus. And I'm not saying you shouldn't love Jesus, but you know what I mean. Just relax. Let, let, just focus your mind on Jesus. And you're going to find that your tongue is trimming, like as if you're having, have you ever had a shake in your hand, a trim in your hand? And your hand is moving involuntarily, involuntarily. That's what's going to happen to you. Your tongue is going to start moving. You're not controlling it. It's just trimming as if it's shaking. And that's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Whatever noises come out of your body, let it go. These noises are the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Amen? I'm saying this because my brain is analytical, like Wayne and like you guys. I, 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 need the, I understand the practicality of it. How does it work? Explain the scientific facts behind it. Sometimes the power of God is just going to come over you. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to do nothing. Just going to take over and you're going to start burst in this new language. But sometimes that's, I'm just explaining how does it work, right? To what effect you're going to feel the presence of God and the power of God? I, I cannot tell you that. That's going to be how God ministers to you. You don't need to help God. All that you have to do, again, just let your brain, your mind, your thought focus on Jesus, how much he's wonderful and his love and his grace to us. And while you're doing that, just the Holy Spirit going to start bursting in you. Your tongue going to shake, and that's it. It's just, it's truly as simple as that. We just make it too complicated because we're just complicated people. Well, I will attest to the fact that 
Don't, I, don't make noises at all. You, nobody need to help God. You don't need to manufacture. No, I, I, and people, people, people try, people mean well, but I'm not defending them. They mean well, they think you don't know what it means, so just, you know, whatever, I'm trying to help you out here, but you don't need to help God. You don't need to stand in his way. You're a good man, you're seeking God. Right. He sees you, he knows your heart. Right. You know, he knows it. He knows it. He knows it. Well, again, you don't have to. I, again, you don't have to fake anything when it comes to God. Let him, let God be God, amen. And let Him take care of everything. All right, it has been almost hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> hour and fifteen minutes. So let's pray before you guys come after me. <laughs> let's close our eyes and uh, seek, seek the Lord.